The epistle reading this morning and Jacob's sermon text is Romans 8, 28 through 39. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Paul, in our text today, does a good job of reminding the Romans how they should feel as new Christians. He writes, if God is with us, who can be against us? And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Paul describes here the Christian identity in this passage and how they and we should feel as ones loved by God. And in fact, this very famous chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 8, is all about this new Christian identity that these Romans should have. From living life in the Holy Spirit and denying our flesh to hoping for the glory in heaven that awaits us, and, but if understanding and living out of these things in our life were easy, Paul wouldn't need to write this letter. If it were easy to be a Christian who is sick and doesn't have any possessions, but still go around all the time proclaiming Christ, he wouldn't have to write this letter. And we don't know exactly what hardships that these Romans were going through who would have been receiving this letter. But I'm sure that living as a new Christian in, in a city like Rome where they worship gods like Jupiter and Mars, I'm sure that couldn't have been easy. We know pretty shortly after Paul wrote this letter, an infamous ruler of Rome came to power, Nero. Pretty, pretty infamous for burning and crucifying and killing Christians. This wouldn't have been an easy time to be a Christian, and it probably wouldn't have been an easy time to rely and feel God's love. And I know that I feel this way too sometimes. And after reading in the beginning of our reading, Paul says that God called us to him before we were even born. And even though I read this, it can also feel like God's love is far away. We turn on our TVs and we see Christians persecuted still all over the world. 
Last month, I got on my newsfeed about 70 Christians killed in northern Africa by an Islamic radical tribe. God seems pretty far away in situations like that. I think back to just a few years ago in 2020 where we were separated from each other during COVID, from our schools and workplaces and even church. I think back to March and the shooting in Nashville where one of the children that was killed was the daughter of a pastor. And I think that how can God's love still be present in a situation like that? Sometimes I want to describe my day just like how Paul describes it in this letter. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Paul says that God's love has been brought directly to us. But why is it still easy not to feel this way? If it is tough to feel God's love, perhaps I am not doing enough. While I am at seminary, if you've been there before, you know that we have great German architecture that I get to walk around at going to class. If you've been in our chapel before, you get to see some great stained glass, which I know a few professors would say could adorn heaven itself. I go to class and I, I walk around and see lots of professors and other students in these white robes or clerical collars. And it's easy to think that I am not holy enough for God. Are my actions really pleasing to God? Is this how I can feel God's love? Perhaps if I go to every chapel service all five days a week, then I could feel God's love better. Perhaps if I pray under our biggest cross or our most holy room on campus, maybe then God's love will feel closer. Perhaps you feel the same way as well. And just when I think this, I think, when did God's love ever depend on what his people did for him? I'm reminded about some of the most classic Sunday school stories. God didn't stop loving Adam and Eve, even after they broke his one and only commandment to them. Right away, God clothed them in animal skin. I think of another very classic Sunday school story about Jonah and the big fish. He did everything that he could to run away from God's love. But in the end, God reminds him that he is chosen and loved always. Perhaps the best example in the Old Testament of God's unfailing love is with his own people, the Israelites. They, pretty frustratingly, did everything they could to get away from God's love. They, they had the first-hand opportunity to see all of these miracles that God had done for them, like opening up the Red Sea or the Ten Plagues in Egypt. And their response instead was to build that golden calf. But... God continued to love and pursue them. He would, even though they would complain and curse him around every turn, he gave them manna and quail and water and eventually led them into the land that he had promised to them. In our Old Testament passage today, God uses the words of Moses to, reiter to reiterate this fact to the Israelites. And it's not about what God, what they do for God, but about he loves them and he chose them. Moses writes, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other peoples that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. 
but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. So no, doing more holy things will not make you feel God's love. It is hard also to love people who hurt you again and again. And a lot of you probably like me know that it's tough to keep loving a certain sports team when they let you down year after year. I'm sure that many of you have a friend who maybe you let, you let them borrow something and they never return it to you. And perhaps out of the grace and mercy of your heart, you think that they're going to change and you do the same thing again and you get burned. It seems impossible to keep loving someone who betrays you over and over. I think to my time as a teacher and how tough sometimes it was as a teacher of these high schoolers that when they kept disappointing me over and over, I'd have to show up with a smiling face, ready to love them and teach them again. Some kids who would not be doing well in my class would ask for extra work or they could do extra credit, and I would sacrifice my own time and stay after class and help them just for them to let me down again and not study and not do the work. And sometimes I feel that way with God. How can God keep loving me when I let him down again and again? Maybe this is the reason that I don't feel God's love. I keep doing the same sins over and over. How can he keep loving me when this disappointment is just piling up? He must want to get a far, as far away from me as possible, and he must be on the brink of giving up. But Paul writes earlier in our chapter today that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is not our reoccurring sin that keeps us from feeling God's love. Paul reminds the Romans, and he reminds us today, that there is one place to look if we are not feeling God's love. And that place is the cross. God's love for you is clearly shown with Jesus hanging on the cross. Paul says that God's love for you is so deep that he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for you. Paul writes that here is our confidence as Christians, that we get to view Christ dying and raised again for us, and this is where our confidence is. We are not to feel God's love in the actions that we do. We are not to earn God's love by being perfect model Christians who don't sin. And we surely, God does surely not abandon us in this reoccurring sin that we do, no matter how many times. God's love has been fully accredited to your account on Jesus' behalf on the cross. We need only also to look to our baptism. If you want physical proof about how much God's love you, God loves you, here at the font, he has marked you forever as ones loved by him. Through the washing of this water, God has promised to love you always and that he will never abandon you. It is at our baptism that God declares you as his child and that nothing can separate his child from his hand. Now, I know that there still will be suffering. I know that there still are going to be Christian martyrs. I know that there's still going to be school shootings. I know that there will be death in our families. And I know that there's going to be simple everyday things in our lives that make us lose hope in God's love. But in the end, Jesus, Jesus promises this love that triumphs all. And to be honest, Jesus promised his followers that there would be suffering in his name. And in fact, 
Suffering and doubt are these markers of a Christian life. As Jesus says that the world is going to hate you because they hated him. He promises that we are one specifically called by him and washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when we feel far away from God's love, all we need to do is look to the cross. And Paul leaves us with these words today. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.